On the Christian calendar, um, this Sunday is uh, often recognized as uh, Christ our King Sunday. Um, it's a Sunday that uh, celebrates, uh, gives thanks, but particularly recognizes Christ as the King over all. Christ who is ruler over all, Christ who is in all and holds things together as Paul writes to the Colossians. So I want to read from Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 to 23. Um, a portion of Paul's letter that speaks to this uh, fullness and authority and, I guess, kingship of Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for Christians everywhere, I've never stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he called. I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and gave him this authority for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is filled by Christ who fills everything everywhere with his presence. I'm going to read those words again. And the church is his body. It is filled by Christ, who fills everything, everywhere, with his presence. I also want to read verse 18 again, because there's a phrase that I'm going to come back to. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. In fact, if this message had a title, it would be entitled, Flooded with the Light of Christ. You know, since we've been spending so much more time at home and outside due to this pandemic, we recently added what's called a pergola to our back patio, which is basically a structure over the patio that has uh, a kind of grids, a grid of beams and rafters, kind of gives a lattice effect, kind of gives definition to the patio. We enjoy sitting out there while the weather stays warm, having meals, and just enjoying the night. Now, to add to this design, and its effectiveness, we've added some solar lights, some very simple lights. We bought them online and we strung them up. Um, and they turn on at night and give us about five to six hours of, of, of lighting. And maybe we just are bored in this pandemic. Maybe we just need more to do. But these lights uh, are, are very exciting for us when they come on. We, we, we see them from the living room and we, sometimes we're outside and they come on. And we just enjoyed having these lights uh, bring some some measure of warmth and, and beauty uh, to our back patio when we sit out there. It, it's a very comforting feel, almost. We're also moving into this season of lights. Folks will sit in line for hours to see the lights at Tanglewood Park, and maybe you have already. Uh, homes are putting up lights. Uh, people are putting up Christmas trees and, and putting their lights on the Christmas trees. And as the days get shorter, darkness descends upon us earlier, light brings us comfort. For some, light brings joy. For some, light brings a sense of warmth. And in many ways, light brings confidence and hope. It helps us to see. It illumines the way so we can see the way in which we need to go. And then 
light helps us find what we need to find. And then light sometimes pushes back the darkness and helps us to get our bearings and helps us to see what's around us. Now, if you hang around Quakers long enough, you're going to hear us talk about light and use the term light. Sometimes we'll talk about standing still in the light or waiting in the light. And sometimes when we tell you or say that we're going to pray for you, we might say something like, we're going to hold you in the light. Now, this light language really comes from um, a deep spiritual awareness an understanding regarding the presence of God in Christ, both in our life and in our world. Early friends didn't see the light as a sort of generic experience of enlightenment, but rather early friends saw the light as a living experience of God's presence in their life and in the world. And I want to say that again. Early friends saw light as this living experience of God's presence in Christ in their life and in the world. The Quaker Douglas Gwynn uh, writes this about light, quote, The light is God's faithful abiding presence in every human heart or conscience. God waits for us there, calling with a voice we don't notice. The light is there in everyone, not just a few. It is knowledge given in obedience. That is, we gain more light as we follow its motions faithfully. And then Gwyn adds this, The light is God's unconditional loving presence with us, always ready to lead, always ready to forgive and begin again. Now hear the language that Douglas Gwynn uses. Light is God's faithful abiding presence in every human heart. And God abides in all of us, in everyone. And that, God, and that the light is God's unconditional loving presence with us, always ready to lead, always ready to forgive and begin again. Again, this light is not something generic and distant, uh, but this light is personal. This light is God. This light is God in Christ, in our life, in everyone's life. The Old Testament prophets often use light language to describe Israel emerging from its own seasons of darkness and despair. And so we read in Isaiah 9, quote, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, a light that will shine on all who live in the land where death casts its shadow. Now the prophets saw this day coming when the light of God's presence would be greater than the darkness of despair, greater than the darkness of hate, greater than the darkness of violence, greater than the darkness of hopelessness. They could, they could see that day coming. They could feel that day coming. And in that same chapter, Isaiah goes on to offer this dream of the future. Quote, in that day of peace, Isaiah writes, battle gear will no longer be issued. Never again will uniforms be bloodstained by war. All such equipment will be burned. And then those familiar words we often hear at Christmas, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and these will be his royal titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His ever-expanding, peaceful government will never end. Isaiah was referring to this present hope for the Israelites, as well as this future reality. Isaiah could literally see a day coming when, as he writes, battle gear will no longer be issued. Never again will uniforms be bloodstained by war. All such equipment will be burned. Isaiah could see in the light of God that there would be this day when there would be shalom and harmony and there would be no need for war and there would be no need for violence. That day is possible, Isaiah said, and it is coming and it will be manifested in a person. And we know that person to be Jesus. And it was the apostles and disciples 
as they looked backwards, they saw in Jesus this light that Isaiah references. And with the coming of Jesus into the world, a light now shines where death and despair often cast its shadow. Now, in the Gospel of John, John holds on to this same dream and he writes in his Gospel, quote, In the beginning the Word already existed, and he was with God, and he was God. And he was in the beginning with God, and he created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Life itself was in him, and this life gives light to everyone. And the light shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now the light the prophets look forward to is now embodied in the person of Jesus. And Jesus is not only the light that comes into the world and embodies, as we heard, God's faithful abiding presence, but this light, according to John, is in everyone. This life gives light to everyone. There is this divine spark within everyone that exists. God created light and it was good, and that light exists within all of us. And the experience of conversion, if you will, is when we turn towards that light, that light that already exists within our hearts and souls. And when we live according to that light, that's another way of saying we are living according to God's will. We are living according to God's intention. We are living according to God's direction to live according to the light. And then we have Ephesians, which I read earlier. Paul picks up on this light language. Ever since Paul writes, I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. And then Paul writes, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. See, for, for Paul, the presence of the living Christ is everywhere. Christ is above any ruler. Christ is above any authority, any, above any power or leader. Christ fills all things everywhere. Or in the language Paul uses in his letter to the Colossians, Christ existed before anything and he holds all things together. And literally the whole universe, all of creation, is filled with divine light. It's filled with divine energy. It's filled with divine power. And we see all of this divine light, divine energy, and divine power manifested in this one solitary life, the life of Jesus, who is God incarnate or in the flesh. And now all of this divine light, all of this divine energy and power lives on in the hearts and souls of everyone, in you and I. And we come to know it and we come to experience it when, as Quakers say, we turn toward that light. And when we turn toward that light, it becomes our divine light. It becomes our divine energy. It becomes our divine power. But we simply may not be awake enough or too blind to notice it, which is one of the reasons I think Jesus is often healing folks who can't see. We see that in the Gospels all the time. I think he's reminding us, or the gospel writers are reminding us, that the spiritual life is about opening our eyes to what is around us, to the divine presence, and all that is around us and within us. And Jesus, as the light of the world, is seeking to help us to see who God truly is, because to see Jesus is to see God. And Jesus, as the light of the world, is seeking to help us see God's divine presence in our world, as well as what is true, good, and right. And to be aware of the dark forces that resist all that is good, 
true and right. When we live in the light, we see all that is good and how God intends us to be. And when we live in the light, we see all that is not good. We see all that opposes the light. We see all that is dark. And Jesus, as light, lives within us all as the light and helps us become aware of our own shadow side, become aware of my own darkness, and invites us to turn away from these places in our life and to live into the wholeness of God's intentions and purposes, to live into the life that is life. That is what the light within us does. It shows us the way to live, a way that is good and true and right and whole. As Richard Rohr writes, quote, Light is not so much what you directly see as that by which you see everything else. And what we know from the Gospel of John is this, that the inner light of things cannot be eliminated or destroyed. As John writes, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And this is deeply hopeful. The light has always existed and it will always exist. And whatever despair, whatever hopelessness, whatever darkness that exists in the world, whatever chaos or confusion, this light can never be extinguished. Light is always present. Hope is always present. Which brings us to this wonderful phrase by Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. Paul writes, I pray your hearts would be flooded with light. Or as the Living Bible puts it, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can share something of the future he has called you to share. Now the term flood doesn't always denote something positive. You have flooded cities, flooded basements, flooded roads. But when something is flooded, it is inundated. Everything is immersed. Everything is covered. And I think what Paul is probably saying is that the prayer that our hearts will be inundated and immersed and covered completely in God's light so that we can see the dreams and hopes and intentions God has for our world and we can be part of it. But like a dam will hold back the floodwaters, there are times where attitudes and dispositions often hold back the flood of God's own light in our life. Attitudes and dispositions such as pride, maybe our own brokenness, Sometimes our own need for performance or perfection and we're not able to receive the unconditional love God offers us. Sometimes our own self-condemnation, our own lack of seeing our own worth uh, holds back this, this flood of God's light in our life. Sometimes our own cynicism, sometimes our own hopelessness holds back the flood of God's light. You know, one of the most important uh, reflections that maybe we could undertake is to ask ourselves. Um, what, is, what, what is it in my life that is holding back the flood of God's light in our life? What is it that's holding back the flood of God's light in my life? And, and to be sure, there are those who live in their own personal darkness, maybe for a season. Sometimes there's the darkness of grief. Sometimes there is the darkness of depression. Sometimes there is the darkness of anxiety. Uh, sometimes... Um, there is the darkness of just simply feeling lost in life. And this is nothing to be ashamed of. This is nothing to beat ourselves up over it. Because remember, the light still exists. The light is always present within us. The light is always there. It never goes out. Even when we know or feel that we're in that kind of deep darkness, that light never goes out. But you know, when the barriers are removed from our hearts and souls, and when we, we begin to emerge from that darkness that we're in, that season of grief, maybe that season of depression, our hearts and souls, as Paul writes, are flooded with the light of God in Christ. 
all of that light floods into our hearts and souls when the barriers are removed when we remove the barriers of pride of of cynicism when we remove uh, sometimes the barriers of our own attitudes and dispositions when we remove the barriers of our own fear and our own stubbornness when we remove those barriers god's love and god's light just floods into our heart and our soul and it spills over into the lives of others and into our community just like you all flooded the community this past week with generosity and 10,000 pounds of food to the Camp Out for Hunger food drive. Sometimes it's flooding our world with reconciliation and forgiveness and empathy and understanding so that there is this flood of civility and understanding and we inundate our world with it. Sometimes it's flooding our world with mercy and justice so that the marginalized and the oppressed and the broken and the hurting are helped and encouraged. Sometimes it's flooding our world with simple acts of peacemaking and peace building so that our world is inundated with peace and we are literally not just figuratively figuratively but we are literally building the peaceable kingdom here on earth sometimes it's flooding our world with gratitude and joy because as the scripture reminds us the joy of the lord is our strength and joy and gratitude have this strengthening quality that strengthens our soul and builds resilience into our life and sometimes it's flooding our world with hope not a shallow optimism but this deep confidence that comes from trusting that in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of, of all that is dark, God is at work renewing creation. God is at work healing creation. God is at work bringing relief to all the groaning in our world. As uh, the, the singer-songwriter Carrie Newcomer uh, sings in her uh, song, Leaning Toward the Light, the shadows of this world will say there is no hope. Why try anyway? But every kindness, large or slight, shifts the balance toward the light. God is flooding this world with light. God is flooding our hearts and souls with light. It's not a matter of, is the light there? What it is a matter of is, am I open to the light? Am I present to the light? Am I present to this divine light within? Am I present to to, Christ, uh, to, to God in Christ within my life, um, to turn towards the light, to stand still in that light long enough for it to give me direction and guidance and wisdom? Am I removing any barriers to the light, whatever that might be, pride, prejudices, stubbornness, cynicism, so that God's light just floods into my heart, floods into our hearts and souls, and spills over? into our community, spills over into our relationships, spills over into our marriages, spills over into everything we do and everything we're about. I want to close uh, my prepared message with this poem that I just came across today entitled Holding the Light. And then we're going to take um, some time to listen to another song by Mark and then I'll come back with some final words. So this is entitled Holding the Light. Gather up whatever is glittering in the gutter, whatever has tumbled in the waves or fallen in flames out of the sky. For it's not only our hearts that are broken, but the heart of the world as well. Stitch it back together. Make a place where the day speaks to the night and the earth speaks to the sky. Whether we created God or God created us, it all comes down to this. In our imperfect world, we are meant to repair and stitch together what beauty there is. 
Stitch it with compassion and wire. See how everything we have made gathers the light inside itself and overflows a blessing. See how everything we have made gathers the light inside itself and it overflows. It is a blessing.